Hello and welcome to Bellhaven Podcast. I'm your host, Brent Weber. On today's episode, we'll be listening to PSY 352, Social Psychology with Professor Nathan Smith. I hope you listen and enjoy. Self-presentation. Impression management, present a desired image, internal and external. Varies with each individual, that is self-monitoring, and often self-serving. It works to protect one's ego, and it works to gain social favor. And this type of impression management, again, something very common, something very easy to see in uh, junior high. I always picture the junior high dance with impression management. There's the, you know, the one or two kids who don't care, who are just out there dancing like crazy. And then, uh, you know, 95% of the kids up against the wall, chatting with their friends and trying to not attract too much attention. So looking below self-monitoring, false modesty, if lower, if we lower our expectations, we feel better about our failure. And then self-handicapping, handy excuse for our failure. And this is something, especially in the clinical world, these two concepts are going to be very helpful for you. Self-handicapping is very, very common. One reason why people procrastinate is because they want to give themselves a built-in excuse if what they produce is not very good. And helping people build the skills and build the self-confidence so that they are not self-handicapping is very important, not just uh, something you can do in your own life to improve your own work, but also if you're working in a clinical setting, you're going to run into self-handicapping all the time. And part of it is building skills for those individuals, and part of it is building their confidence so that they believe that they should succeed, and that ultimately that they can succeed. And so getting around this self-handicapping is very important. So it's both self-serving and intrinsically relational. How is this possible? Can humans be both self-serving and relational? And from a Christian view, we know that humans have a survival instinct and the need for relatedness is just as fundamental. And this goes back, if you recall, in the text, there was the study that showed that being cut off from individuals or excluded felt the same as physical pain, and there was a brain scan study that showed this. The same parts of the brain lit up when someone was in physical pain and when somebody was being excluded. That's one way we know that this, uh, this need for relatedness is just as important um, as the need for survival because it actually works in the same parts of the brain. And recent research has showed us that there's less self-centeredness in close personal relationships and more self-centeredness in collective relationships. And for me, the ultimate example of this is politics. Uh, the way someone treats their spouse, hopefully, is not self-centered at all. It's very other-focused. But then the reason why people join political parties is to get stuff for themselves or to make themselves feel better, to make themselves feel less afraid. So, uh, this is... It's one of those uh, recent pieces of research that really makes a lot of sense in our modern world. 
self-regulation here is a concept in a Christian setting that people should be very interested in. So overall, research suggests that people can act contrary to their physiological drives, to their environmental pressures, and to their desire for immediate gratification. This is, I'm not going to uh, focus on this because it's uh, good for your academic career, but I would like to focus on this because it's good for you personally you can self-regulate. You can self-regulate. We know that you can. The research is clear. The experience is clear. Millions of people have. You can self-regulate. There is no question about this. So, again, you can act in contrary to physical drives, physiological drives, to environmental pressures, and to the desire for immediate gratification. You can. We know you can. The question is how to do that. Okay, good question. So, self-control takes energy and effort. Uh, I like to think of it as mental energy. Uh, I think of my mental energy as uh, kind of like a cloud that's over my head, and as I do things that use it up, it goes down and I'm less able to use it for other things. So. In the short term, this can be more costly, but in the long term, it's more beneficial. <coughs> Excuse me, let me give you an example. So, uh, dieting is very common. Um, obesity, of course, is highly problematic in the United States. So, how does somebody set themselves up to be successful on a diet? Well, you have to maximize that self-control energy that you need your mental energy. If you're going to deny yourself foods you typically eat, you want to set yourself up for success by not denying yourself other things. So that is to say, you want to get lots of sleep. For one thing, you don't want to be operating on not a lot of sleep. Maybe if you're very busy at work or school is not the greatest time to start a diet. Maybe you want to start it at the beginning of the semester when there's less work to do, or in the summer when your schedule is more relaxed, because things that eat up your mental energy will make you less successful. And also you want to avoid things like alcohol that will, will uh, change your ability to make good judgments, etc. So, continuing on those thoughts, uh, Bollmeister Mervyn and Tice wrote this paper on self-control as a muscle. Actually, in addition to his academic works, uh, Roy Bomister has written a book on this, a popular book. Uh, it's called Willpower. And <coughs> if you, like me, are very interested in self-control, self-regulation, how to do it better, how to help other people do it, if you're going into a clinical setting this is something that will be very important for you. Because a lot of times people will know what they need to do, they just won't be able to actually do it. So this book by Bowmister, um, Willpower, will be helpful to you and I think helpful to your future clients. And I would highly recommend it. Um, and this is something you'll find in public health situations as well. Everybody knows that smoking is bad for them, and yet 
we still have millions of people who smoke because quitting is difficult. So knowing is not enough, you have to be able to actually put it into practice. So uh, some tips below, and this gets back to what we were saying uh, on the last slide. In general, it's better to remove the tempting stimuli, to make the stimulus difficult to get to, or to join with like-minded others. And this is how you know, people who want to stop drinking might join Alcoholics Anonymous to join with like-minded others. If you want to quit smoking, you should get rid of all of your cigarettes. Uh, if you want to lose weight and, and have a better diet, you know, you should avoid going to places where there's mostly unhealthy food. Get rid of all the cookies and chips and cakes out of your house. And replace them with uh, things that are healthier for you. So you make it easy on yourself by removing tempting stimuli and making them difficult to get. And then joining with like-minded others is another um, generally beneficial way. And you'll, there are a lot of groups that have popped up to do this. There are these things, weight loss challenges, that are very popular now, and really what it's doing is making having people join together with like-minded others to accomplish the same goal. So self-determination theory. Uh, this is based around three basic needs, autonomy, competence, and relatedness. And the degree to which the above three are met provides description of our motivational state. So back to Bomeister, self-regulation is a penicillin to cure most social ills. Wow, that's a strong statement. Uh, I would, it's a, the whole self-regulation question is very interesting because with enough self-regulation, you could cure mo most social ills. If you think about, um, so cigarettes and alcohol kill an awful lot of people in the United States and in the world, and self-regulation, not overusing those things, would be a penicillin to cure those. The problem is, of course, it's not that simple, because people have difficult lives, they have lack of access to resources, they have outside stressors, they have things that take away this mental energy that could be used for self-regulation. and so their supply of self-regulation is depleted and making good decisions over and over and over again is exhausting. So it's an interesting concept, something to think about. Self-regulation from the CFR view, self-regulation may not have immediate or assured benefits, but what motivates us in those times? And these are, in some ways, these are more theological questions that I won't be answering for you because it's outside of our realm, but I want you to be thinking about them. Is obedience to God primary over self-regulation? So Johnson said, self-regulation is a gift from God and is a relational gift to benefit others, not just ourselves. That's an interesting way to think about self-regulation is not primarily self-centeredness. And of course we need to discern what to do, not just what not to do. Um, but this ultimate question, what do the scriptures mean that self-control is a fruit of the Spirit, is really a theological question, and one that I'll leave uh, for you to think about, but I won't attempt to answer. So what's next? Uh, of course, before watching this lecture, as I noted at the top, you should complete your detailed readings. 
And if you have more questions, you should go back to the readings, go back to the lecture. It's always okay to read it again and watch it again. You need to understand this stuff because we're moving fast, and um, these are important topics. So after watching the lecture, complete your writing assignments if assigned, answer the discussion questions as assigned, and then take the unit quiz. And here are our references again. I will remind you the, the popular psychology book written by Bomeister. It was called Willpower. And instead of downloading and reading all of these papers, although they're excellent, uh, his popular book, Willpower, actually sums all of this up quite nicely.